Take your Bibles and join me, please, in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, where we are now in the latter half of this chapter. I'm looking around to see how many women laid out of church tonight. <laughs> Looks like not a few. Not a few. You may recall last week we introduced the section that we are now in, which deals with relationships, husband and wife relationships, parent-child relationships, and then employer-employee relationships. Remember that this chapter, it opens up for a call for God's children to be followers of God, to be imitators of God. We're called to be different than the world in our behaviors. We're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but we are to reprove them. And we're called to be light in this world. We've seen a lot about our walk in this book, and, and in this chapter we've seen we're to walk in love, we're to walk as children of the light, we are to walk circumspectly, and really what we've been seeing a lot of is an emphasis on our Christian behavior. How do we act? And just before the Apostle Paul writes what he does about relationships, he tells us that we are to be Spirit-filled. Because if you're not Spirit-filled, you're not going to do what the Bible says when it comes to relationships. We have to be under control. We have to be in the Spirit. And when we're in the Spirit, we will understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's going to be part of the home. And uh, if we're going to model these relationships, the Spirit must be working in us. We must be walking in the Spirit. Now, as we go into sections of the Bible like this, we have to figure out where we stand on the Bible. Do we believe the Bible or don't we? And it's interesting how people can pick and choose what they want to believe. Because the same Bible that says that we're saved by grace alone that we're saved by Christ plus nothing else. It's the same Bible that says wives submit. Husbands love, children obey. And, and we have to decide going to the Bible that are we going to take God at His word? Do we really believe what it says? Do we really believe that God's ways are best? Do we really believe that God doesn't change with the culture? That He doesn't shift with whatever the latest movement in America says? Are we going to follow His blueprint? Now, if you decide to follow God's Word in the areas we're going to discuss, then you're not going to fit in culturally. Let's begin tonight by reading verse 22 of chapter 5. And even though we won't get into it, let's read through verse 9 of chapter 6 to get all of these relationships that will be talked about. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, 
even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children in wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. Now, there's a formula here that we find as we read all those verses. God addresses marriages. He addresses parents and children and then the workplace. And then after that, if we were to keep reading, God then addresses warfare. And there's a, a pattern that is set up for us that in order, us to be, in order for us to be effective in warfare, we've got to have these areas right. Marriage, children, workplace, and we go to battle. And once those things get out of whack, we're, we're not as effective against the enemy. And so the first thing we have to do is get our home in order. We see this pattern when you read the qualifications of a pastor. He has to be the husband of one wife. And so it's very hard for a woman to do that. <laughs> Women cannot be pastors because they cannot be the husband of one wife. You say, well, does that mean all those women pastors out there are wrong? Yes. And then you have to have your children in subjection with all gravity. You have to have a good report of those that are without. So there's this formula. God's pattern is that you cannot be mighty in a ministry with God until there's a proper structure in the home. And when there's chaos in the home, we're not going to be effective ministers because that takes all of our attention. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote, it's better for you just not to marry. Because if you're going to minister, now I have to worry about the things of my wife. I have to worry about my children. Um, and a wife now has to worry about her husband. She has to worry about her children. And, and Paul says, man, this is things a lot easier without all that. And so it takes, a, it takes a right kind of home. And everything starts in the home. If the home functions properly, the church will function properly. Right? Because when there's order in the home, there's order in the church. And once we all understand our, our place, we can do things decently and in order and please God. Concerning the family, the formula is really simple. It's wives submit, husbands love, children obey. It's easy to say. It's a whole other thing to put it into practice. And all it takes is for one, one of those three to rebel, to cause dissension in the home, to cause chaos. Tensions in the home build up, 
as a wife tries to usurp authority or as a husband begins to not love or as children begin to obey and tensions begin to build. I, I think of it as kind of like a three-legged stool. Wives, men, husband, love, children, obey. Take one of those away and there's an imbalance in the home. I've been told that roughly 50 years ago, there weren't many books out there on Christian marriages. That there were some, but they were hard to find. But today, because there's such a problem in the home, there are thousands of books written by Christians on marriage. I went to Amazon Books and typed in Christian marriage books, and there were over 30,000 results. But I want to tell you, while I'm thankful for some of those books, this is the greatest book ever written on marriage. It's the greatest book ever written. But it's going to guide you the best when it comes to your home. The, the reason why there wasn't so many back then is because it wasn't as pressing of an issue. But now that the home has imploded in America, there are many books out there. When our nation decided to take away Genesis chapters 1 through 3 is when our society really went downhill. You see, if you remove God as the creator of everything, then you lose the designer. And if you throw out the designer, then you've thrown out the design. Once God is removed as the creator, man just becomes this package of chemicals. We just happened. And we, we lose... Uh, morals, there's nothing with moral absolute when there's no creator God. The family just becomes this sociological happenstance that took place. When God is removed, mankind is dead, morals are dead, the family is dead, then what becomes of male and females once there is no God? They become nothing more than altered chromosomes. And that's how we end up looking at it. And we, we don't see God's hand in it. There's hairier people and there's not so hairy people. There's deeper voices and not so deep voices. There's stronger people and not as strong people. And the difference becomes nothing more than how much testosterone or estrogen somebody has in their body. And then there's no male-female roles. If I would have preached this back in the 60s, we would have never thought that we are now living in a day that this is completely, absolutely true. That we now look at male and female as nothing but a decision you make. And we will take certain hormones in order to make our body begin to take on features of whatever sex we want to become. And so we're seeing that without God, the home decays. We see it all over this country. Now, as we go through these different roles, the intent is that we be honest with the Word of God, that we be honest with ourselves, and that we will listen to what God has to say for our homes and hopefully put some of these things into practice if needed, maybe strengthen some areas. If you need to be changed, let God change you. Amen. Amen. As advertised last week, we will be considering the wife tonight. That's found in verses 22 through 24. I'll read those again just to get us back in the frame of mind here. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, as we go through this, you don't have to elbow your wife. Amen? You don't have to look at your wife and say, Amen! Are you getting this? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? And if I look your way, you don't have to point with your eyes so I'll know where to shoot. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit do the prodding, or else you'll have even bigger issues on your hands. <laughs> well, let's jump into this. Verse 23 states that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Someone has said, and I have heard it seriously preached from the pulpit, that the husband may be the head, but the wife is the neck that turns the head. And that makes for good humor, but I want to tell you that if that's what you were taught, you were taught wrong. I want you to think about that statement in relation to the church. If Christ is the head of the church, and we use that statement in relation to the husband and wife, then what we're saying in application is that the church then becomes the neck which turns Christ, and Christ doesn't bend to anybody. So it doesn't fit if you've been taught that. And, and most people will say that jokingly, but I have heard that legitimately preached as fact. And so I just want to dismiss that right off the start. When it, when it comes to wives submitting and wives being the neck, I, w- I would probably put it this way. Wives, if you decide to bow up your neck, dig in your heels, and you try to control every move of your husband... All you're doing in that case is you're circumnavigating the Scriptures. Amen. When God created Adam, He said in Genesis 2.18, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. If we have godly submissive wives, then you're going to have husbands who can become all that God wants them to be. Wives, you're designed to be a helpmeet to your husband. That's the Bible. You are designed to help him fulfill the will of God for his life. And thereby, you fulfill the will of God for your life. Amen. Wives, when you submit to your husband, you force your husband into a position of leadership. And that's where the husband needs to be. So if you have a husband who doesn't lead the home, and and, and we hear this a lot in marriage counseling, uh, well, my husband won't step up. If you'll submit yourself to him, he is forced to step up, make some decisions, and start to lead the home. And so just something to think about there. When Adrian and I really began to sense that I was going to be called to the pastorate here, uh, she asked me about her role in the church. And there was nothing wrong with what she asked. But um, somehow churches have developed this idea that there's some underlying expectation for the pastor's wife. And the Bible never mentions that. The Bible doesn't say that the pastor has to preach and the wife has to play the piano and the kids have to sing. Now that's good if that happens, praise God. But that's not a requirement. And anyway, when we had that conversation, I told her, you're not called to be the pastor. And nowhere in the Bible does it say you're called to lead anything in the church. 
I told her, you're called to be my helpmeet. Your first priority is to be my wife. Now, listen, because we've departed so much from the Bible, how the Bible lays things out. But my wife is not the pastor of the ladies of this church. I know some want her to be. My wife is not who you go to about the direction of the church. Church complaints don't go to my wife. Don't go to my wife for church decisions. If it's secretary related, then so be it. The church secretary isn't the one calling the shots. Now, my wife has very graciously made herself available for counsel to ladies when it comes to their own personal issues or when it comes to some marital issues. But my wife isn't here to counsel another lady about another person in the church. When somebody comes to my wife and says, I need to talk to you about somebody, my wife will graciously say, that's a pastor issue. And then I'll sit down with you with my wife present and and we'll talk about it. It same goes for any church issue, functions, decisions, all the rest. She does her best to politely say, that's a pastor question. Don't get mad at her for that. She's just following my wishes. Get mad at me. Amen. My point in all of this is, as, uh, as my wife, God has first designed her to help me fulfill God's will for my life. Now, if God blesses her to be able to do other things within the body, then I'll praise God for that. But I want to tell all wives, your first mission is to be and help to your husband. A wife is to compliment her husband. And I would say my wife compliments me very well. Now, I don't know if anybody took anything that I said, misinterpreted it, but don't think that I'm making light of her role or any woman's role in this church. Uh, I'm not. My wife played a major role in me becoming a pastor, me being in the ministry. She was the one when we were in Korea 21 years ago now, and she said, I'm going to church. And I decided, well, not without me or not. So we went to church, and it was there that we both got our hearts right, but I got my heart right. It was there I surrendered my life to God, and it was there that God called me to preach. All of that was put in motion because of my wife. So I'm not downplaying anything. She wasn't ugly about it when she said she was going. Listen, ladies, because I want you to get this. She never twisted my arm. She never called me names. She never huffed. (sighs) Well, I'm going to church. She never raised her voice. She never rolled her eyes. But somehow, her saying she was going led me to go. And, And women, sometimes it's how you say things that will drive your husband absolutely insane. Because you're going, initially in any relationship, typically the woman is more spiritual. And men have to come along. And I don't know if it's because they mature earlier, what the deal is, but that's usually how it is. But I will tell you that you berating him is not going to help matters. So, she's a large reason that I'm up here as your pastor. The, The pastor won't function well when his wife is domineering, and she tries to run the church and the people. If you've ever been in a church like that, it's odd. 
I remember when I was growing up, we were in a church for a little bit that had that situation, and um, it was just strange. Uh, she was out of control, and it was really just ruining, or ruining the church, and it was just one of those things where uh, people started to leave. It was just strange, and, and I tell you that because there's women out there who feel it's their place to tell other ladies how they need to live their lives how they should behave, how they should raise their kids, how they should dress. But I want to tell you, ladies, that's not your place. If she's under the subjection of her husband, that's all you need to know. Amen. Because we have this mindset that, well, the elder are supposed to teach the younger. Okay, look up that word younger and you'll find that those are talking about ladies that are probably not even married yet. And even though it goes on to say that they'll be obedient to their own husbands, Be obedient to your own husband first. Amen. And so there's women out there like that. They're worried about other ladies. They're they're worried about other ladies being in subjection to their own husbands. Just focus on your own home. Don't be a busybody. Once I remember once years ago, uh, a lady here, this was obviously our first time here. A lady here, Adrian, you were home for some, you'll remember this, I'm sure. Adrian was home for some reason. I don't know if she was sick or just backslidden like she normally is. But uh, some lady came up and she gave me a book on something to do with the home. I'm not going to say to protect the guilty. And, um, and she gave me a book on something to do with the home. And I, I took it. I didn't even look at it. And I went home right after church and I saw the book. And I was like, oh, no, not in my backyard. So I drove all the way back to church. And we lived on base. Drove all the way back. Now, you may be wondering, how did you go home and get back before they left? All the way to base. Because back in those days, I was the first one out the door. Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah, I was out before. I mean, I was gone. I mean, I was... And so, that's how I was able to make it back so fast. Or, and people still be here. Because I'm not naturally a fellowshipper. I miss those days. Amen. But this, this woman thought my wife needed a book on a particular issue and uh, some subject to do with the home. And anyway, uh, I went up to this lady well before I was pastor, and I could approach things differently back then, and I missed those days too. And um, I told her in no uncertain terms that uh, you take this book back, you stay out of my business, and you stay out of my home. If I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. And by this point, the husband walked up, and of course, he just sheepishly sheepishly stood there because his wife was so domineering. And that happened twice here with two different people. And listen, I'm not going to put up with you sticking your nose in my family's business. I don't come to your family and tell you how you ought to run things. I just say what the Word of God says from the pulpit. Now, if you ask me my opinion, I'll give it. Anyway, so needless to say, I haven't been bothered since. But don't stick your nose where it doesn't belong. God hasn't given you the right to push yourself into somebody else's home. Amen. That's not your place. She has a husband. You let him be the leader of that home. On that note, I've discovered that there are some women who think it's perfectly appropriate to go to another husband and say, you're not doing right. And I want to tell you, wives, you don't have any place to do that. Don't you go to another husband of a family and say, you're not doing things right. Uh, That's not your place to do that. The Bible says, for wives to submit themselves unto their own husbands. Don't worry about what someone else pushes upon you. 
And don't try to run somebody else's home. Just submit to your own husband. Well, let's get back to where we were at. If homes and ministries are to function properly, it will take a submissive wife who will happily operate within the role that God has created for her to have. And now, because of my wife, I'm fulfilling God's will for my life. She's fulfilling God's role for her life. And our kids are being raised with a godly heritage. And hopefully one day they'll do God's will for their life. And so, in all of this, I am not in any way downplaying the role of anybody. And I'm not suggesting that because someone's not the head of something, they have no influence. That's not the case either. Wives, when and if your, your husband serves in an area of ministry in this church together... I want you to know that that's his ministry. It's under my leadership, it's his ministry, and it's not yours to have. The longs minister to the teens, but Ken is the leader. And Tiffany is the helper to her husband. And, and we've talked about all this, I'm not saying anything behind their back. Now, Tiffany counsels young ladies... And we are blessed to have them. If, if you have a child in teens, you're blessed. I've seen them work at Silver State, and they pour themselves into these kids. And, uh, and, she, and she works very hard with them. Uh, she prays for them. I understand all that. But ultimately, it's Ken's ministry. And she compliments him very well to fulfill God's will for his life. But I want you to also understand that the teen ministry would not function properly should she decide to stop helping her husband. If she would decide that she's going to take over that ministry. The Chavez's run the bus ministry. But Mike is the leader of that ministry. Natasha is the helper to her husband. And Natasha does a great deal. She's heavily involved. And I thank God for that. Because uh, Mike, if we never had, you know, if it was just you and I all the time, there'd be absolutely no feminine touches whatsoever and uh, we would be handing out sandpaper in these gifts for Christmas. <laughs> so thank God for that. But ultimately, it's Mike's ministry, and she compliments him very well and allows him to fulfill God's will for his life. But also understand that the bus ministry would not function properly if Natasha just threw in the towel and said, forget it, or if she tried to take that over. The Brocks work together every day. And Larry and Darlene work together all the time. And I guess they have for a long time. God bless you. And um, Larry's the principal of the academy. And Darlene is the helper to her husband. She does a wonderful job. But ultimately, it's Larry's ministry. Everybody see what I'm trying to say? I'm just, I'm taking time to set things in order. That's all. Um, it's his classroom. And she compliments him to fulfill God's will for his life. But also understand the academy wouldn't function properly if Darlene were to step away and not support her husband or if she tried to take over the academy. And I don't think we have that to worry about. Amen. <laughs> the Petracos working together in the press ministry. Uh, Mike's the director and Lisa's the helper. Uh, Lisa's heavily involved. She's a wonderful administrator. And uh, we put her to work in that regard. And it's wonderful. But ultimately, that's Mike's ministry. She compliments him in that ministry and allows him to fulfill God's will for his life. But also understand that if she were to become absent in that, it would affect that ministry. If she tried to take it over, it would affect that ministry. 
And I'm just trying to show you tonight how the two are to coexist together and complement one another in ministry. Um, there's plenty of examples. The Bach houses in junior church, those who drive the bus routes, the Jones, the Widemans. There's all kind of couples who are working together in our church. And so, and I would even throw in our deacons. But the reason these ladies function so well side by side with their husbands who are in these positions of leadership, it's because they understand that in, in doing so, they become an ornament upon their husband's head. The Bible says in Proverbs 12:4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Wives, when you decide to be a virtuous wife to your husband to the best of your ability, then you become a crown to him. What does that mean? Song of Solomon 3:11 says, "Go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him." in the day of his espousals, and in the day of the gladness of his heart. There's a connection scripturally there between the crown and the gladness within a person's heart. And, and ladies, wives, when you become a crown to your husband, you become a joy and a gladness in his heart. And according to Proverbs 31, the heart of the husband will safely trust in his wife. And also, her husband will be known in the gates. He will be respected in his positions of authority. That also means that her worth brings him glory. It brings him honor in, in, out there in the marketplace and so forth. It says in verse 12 of that same Proverbs that the husband will, or excuse me, it says that the husband will bless and praise his wife, but it says in verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of his life. Now, I've heard some of these, mention, these ladies mention that, that I've spoke about tonight, these principles. This is what they have desired for their husbands. It's their goal. And I can tell you without fail that every woman who has ever come in and talked and said, I will not, I will not submit to my husband their husband does absolutely nothing effective for the ministry. Nothing. Because it takes two working together in the office or in the role that God has called them to work in. And so, listen, if this church is going to function properly, it's going to take wives who will submit themselves to their own husbands. Like I said, I've heard these women talk about it. I've even heard Natasha say, I want my husband to be respected in the gate. And because of that, I'm going to do my part as his wife. And, and, and listen, it's, it's not because Natasha's some great, I'm sure she gets out of her lane, I'm sure he gets out of his lane, I'm sure they don't have the world's best marriage. But I'm going to say this tonight because I'm going to give honor where honors due. But if you'll look at what's going on in, in those two people, the ministries that their hands are upon, there's been significant growth. A lot of the reason we have experienced growth in this church is because of those two. The van ministry and the young adults. 
And, and I'm just trying to give you a snapshot of what happens when a wife will say, I want my husband to be elevated to do God's will. And it's not, and, and, and listen, like I said, it's not that there's perfection, but there's a desire there. And, and that's what we have to have. Not every woman came to the altar and magically became subject to their own husbands. It takes time. It takes time. Men, we'll, t- we'll, we'll get on you later because uh, you have to make the right environment for that to happen. But it, it just doesn't magically happen. It takes work. And so, like I said, sometimes a, a wife will get out of her lane. A husband will get out of his, his lane. There's conflict. There's head-on collisions. There's problems. But when people purpose to structure their homes God's ways, the ministries are blessed. And so this not only affects homes, but it affects the church. Wives, I want to tell you tonight, don't think that your position is a terrible role in life on what the Bible says. The world will tell you that you need to find fulfillment in worldly success. The world will tell you that you are brainwashed if you submit to your husband. The world will tell you that you're following an outdated book. The world will tell you that you need to be liberated. But I want to assure some wives reassure other wives that even though it may sound crazy to some ears, there is nothing more liberating as a wife than to be what God has called you to be. And that is a help meet to your husband first and foremost. Well, believe it or not, I didn't even get to the message tonight. I had something else completely, something other planned, but the words just kept pouring out. Listen, we've got to structure our homes God's way for our church to keep going forward, bringing honor to God. We can compromise and we can get people in. We can do things wrong, but not if we want God to be honored in it. Amen. And so, ladies, just keep this in mind. It looks like we'll still talk about you next week. And so for those who laid out, they don't know yet, but they're going to be here. And um, we haven't even got to the submit word, really. Amen. Just honor God with your homes and uh, let the word of God be true and every man a liar. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the Word of God, and I thank you so much for the simple um, way you've orchestrated the home, and and yet we complicate it through rebellion. And so I pray that every one of us would examine our homes to see if we're doing as we're supposed to be, that if if wives would compliment their husbands, then uh, the sky's the limits when it comes to fulfilling God's will for their life. And and these are not opinions. These are your Word. You you brought unto Adam and help meet. And so I pray that every lady in here would feel the worth of being what God has called them to be and not look for that worth somewhere else. And uh, Lord, bless our church. Thank you for every servant. Thank you for everybody that's here. And uh, for these that are not even married in here tonight, just help them to learn from some things that they can make some decisions before that day comes. And they can structure their home according to your word. And now I pray that you'd give us safety as we go home. We look forward to when we get to meet together again. Uh, We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.